it doesn't end well for the superheroes. That's true. In Marvel, it, it doesn't end that well. Somebody always bites or gets really badly Wait till you see this next one. Everybody dies. Do, 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 do. Not everybody. No. <laughs> We are back. Mark has played. I am Michael Denniston of uh, which podcast do I host? Ira? Uh, you used to host Sober Cinema, but that is defunct, I guess. <laughs> Did that echo the way of Pop Culture Case Study? Is that what happened? Uh, no. There's there's not been a uh, Twitter announcement proclamation uh, that the show is ending. There's just been laziness on my part. It's funny. It's the only one that I, a person in real life like at work listens to, and I'm also catching hell at work as well for not having new episodes of Sober Cinema up. As you should. As you should. You can't put out like good product and then expect people not to uh not to clamor for more. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, do it right. Well as a podcaster, I'm not used to anyone clamoring for any product or acknowledging that it exists. So that's something new. Uh but you are from the True Romance Film Podcast and uh we are once again back to discuss the conversation uh, on other film podcasts about uh, new releases, and we had to do an Avengers Infinity War episode because we are a movie podcast, right? So it has to be talked Absolutely. about. Absolutely. I think it's uh, it's written in the bylines of podcaster, podcaster 101 contracts. You know, like if you're going to start a podcast, anytime a Marvel movie comes on, you must discuss. So I think the approach we're going to take with this one, and I'll just – I'll just throw it out there uh, in case there's anyone who's not seen this this damn thing, uh, which is doubtful if you're listening to a movie podcast that you've somehow skipped it. And I really doubt you're waiting for Marcus Plade's input to make your uh, your buying decision on, on seeing this film. Uh, but I think we should just say, you know, we're going to approach this from a uh, spoiler angle. Are we? Okay. I think the topic that we have uh, chosen here as far as, I guess, the general stickiness of a product like this, uh, these type of films that uh, throw out big sweeping changes, but it's something that uh, is always going to be around. There's no real finality to the events here because this is a, uh, you know, it's a Marvel cinematic universe. And like the comp books, there's always going to be new product, always new stories can be layered on top of it. So I just want to throw that warning out there. I may slip into spoilers because I, I think a lot of that deals with the, the ending or the, uh, I guess, the cliffhanger that uh, this particular entry leaves us with. Yeah, cliffhanger being in quotation marks there, please, sir. Let's just go ahead and put that there. <laughs> <laughs> There's my first spoiler uh, talk right there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, they they definitely did bend over backwards in the, the marketing, uh, which I know the actors, uh, I guess, have been reprimanded multiple times for uh, what they leak, the spoilers they give out, which uh, I think is a bit unfair because basically their, their spoilers are, uh, uh, yes, I, I'm still working and uh, I was hired to do this job by this company. Uh, so it's this interesting dynamic between the fandom and, uh, I guess, Marvel Studios where they're constantly feeding the beast and giving new information, hyping up the, the next chapter in this uh, continuous saga. But with Avengers Infinity War especially the way they end the film, are we supposed to lie to ourselves about the practical nature of these films and what's actually going to happen to these characters? Because I had a very different experience when I was watching it with that packed crowd on opening night where I did, you know, I sort of envied the people who, <laughs> I guess, naively bought into oh, the events of the ending oh, of this God film. Almighty. <laughs> because I'm like, okay, so they're they're approaching it like the characters in the film are, like you know that these this this is actually happening. Like this means something. But 
I feel like this fan base is so engaged, like even more so than me and probably you with like what's coming up next for Marvel that I'm wondering, can anyone actually have a genuine experience with the ending of this film, knowing that they've already announced X, Y, and Z right. in the, in the, the Marvel cinematic universe. I kind of touched on this a little bit on our podcast. I really tried to fight it off um, when we're discussing it, because when we discuss our film review or whatever it is, we try to stay away from talking about the talk, talking about the reaction. That's what this show is for, right? This, that's, right that's what we exactly. do here. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't help myself because, you know, like you, and I know you're not the biggest fan of Twitter anymore. You're, you're Mr. Uh, I'm, you know, crawling up into a mountain somewhere, turning off electronics and, uh, <laughs> and making mail bombs now. But, you know, I yeah. troll Twitter here and there. And <laughs> I, I, I like that you make yourself as a troll sound much better than me, that I'm, I'm some sort of dangerous person yes, for, yes. for not participating in that nonsense. Yes. I mean, that's, that's how I roll though. I mean, I gotta stay on brand where everybody gets looked down upon when describing myself. I gotta, you know, prop myself sure. up, but I couldn't help myself, but get into this or at least see the discussion around this about the amazing ending and how much, um, I guess, I, I, I guess I'm tap dancing around like how powerful the ending was. And I'm sitting there sort of dumbfounded watching the people around me. Like, are you, are, do you guys like live in a box? Are you unaware that, um, the, the, there's a world outside of this movie theater that exists, you know, where, like you said, these movies are contracted out. These actors are contracted out. Um, you know, they're coming back. So there's no stakes whatsoever in the film. And for me, that really drags the film down in a film that I found to be really fun for a, a great bit of the runtime. You know, there's this, yeah, this, yeah, absolutely. This fun sort of mashup of characters that we've seen, characters we know. Um, and I just, it drags me down when the outside world creeps in. But the fact of the matter is I'm a human being and I know what's going on out there, man. You know, I know, you know, Black Panther made seven trillion dollars and I, there's, no way. <laughs> They're not just going to set that money on fire. They are, they are not the Joker from The Dark Knight. Uh, he's got a plan, and it is to make uh, a lot more money. So that is the uh, – is it Feig? Feige? Feige? I can't remember. Fig? But, Fig? Uh, I don't know. But it, it raises uh, some questions The Grand about, Poobah. Yes. Yeah, the, the Godfather and Mero Mero. Um, <laughs> it raises some <laughs> questions about the, the fans of this film. Are they either one uh, – like weirdly fantasizing or living in some fantasy world where the real world doesn't exist and they can block that stuff out? Or are they like superior movie watchers where they can completely tune off everything they've seen because Twitter is rife and or the media is rife with the commentary of who signed on for what. We all know Brie Larson mm-hmm. is playing Captain yeah. Marvel or whatever it is. And, you know, I, I know how much Chris Evans makes check the check. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how ubiquitous <laughs> the information is about these movies. Are they like lost in space or are they like superior ability to have fun whereas you and I are not? I mean, I'm going to give us a little bit of credit that um, obviously like you watch a James Bond movie uh, and if you enjoy it. So if you liked Casino Royale, Skyfall, what have you, uh, there's already some sort of accepted buy-in that James Bond will live. To find another day. Like, okay. I don't think anyone goes in expecting, even though he has put in peril almost every other scene. But stop what's going on here. The here it's like the, the conversation about how devastating, and I, I've seen devastating used all over the hmm. place. This ending is. Yeah. I, I mean, it only got me 
I guess it got me with the first death. So maybe we are avoiding uh, spoilers to a certain extent because I, I guess there's no need to name it. But um, because the first death that you see in the, uh, the 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 ending of this film, the climax, is a secondary character. Um, <laughs> he or she has not had their own film, uh, really. So I was like, oh, that's pretty. That's a pretty cold way to see you know one of these these people that we've lived with uh, in the saga for you know, five to 10 years, just go out. And then as you mentioned, the the very next one is, um, is a character that contributed to another, you know, billion dollar franchise, uh, as the title character. And I'm like, Oh, so this is all horseshit then. Right. It's a huge And I wasn't character. angry. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't angry with the film for that because I, I think there is some value, at least, from what I saw with, with the people watching this and experiencing, you know, it was people wearing Marvel t-shirts, you know, that were hyped, that were clapping and cheering and, uh, you know, visibly very excited throughout the whole process of watching this film that when another big character went, you know, they did have, it was, it wasn't repulse, but it, it was some sort of painful experience to see the death of that particular character. And, uh, I guess there is something to it, but I, I would have to admit that, uh, you know, Hermit Mike, uh, away from Twitter, if I, if I saw those tweets, uh, talking about how devastated you were to see this, <laughs> this character that's already had an announced sequel coming up in two years, yeah. die on screen. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would probably feel that, that that person's a little bit foolish. Um, or slow. I, I, are you pitying that person? <laughs> let's, let's, I think that we should turn this entire podcast. It's an analysis of the person that, cried <laughs> at those deaths like are they slow do they need assistance do we need like to separate well, some government funding for them like what are we doing here it's especially the way the deaths happen here you know one thing i really like about it is uh i, I like the random nature of it you know, it's none of them are it's like a heroic moment where they they make a conscious decision you know say like uh tony stark in the first avengers See, here's where your, he, your he flies. trick like get the spoilers here where you're talking about the uh, the random nature of it, S- slight spoiler. Mm, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. But uh, my point is, like, when Iron Man makes a decision at the end of the first film, they're playing up the idea that he could. This could be a, a heroic sacrifice moment. And <clears throat> I don't know if I ever bought in. Like, oh, this is the part where Iron Man's going to die. You know, like I understand what they're going for, but I don't necessarily by that that's they're actually going to follow through with that so i'm not angry with infinity war uh knowing that there won't be uh, a follow-through as far as the finality of all these characters that that perished in this film i also don't (laughs) i'm not going to praise them for necessarily having like a bold ending though right like i just feel like okay yeah this is the the middle part of a film that is an obvious two-part film even though they don't want to market it that way because it didn't go so well for things like Hunger Games to have their their final film be a part one and two. This very much feels like the halfway point, and, and that's fine. Yeah, but I I don't know. I guess it's I guess it's fine if people want to if they feel that engaged with the characters and the relationships that the the people the surviving heroes feel that devastation themselves. That's one thing I I would find it. It's a bit of reach for, for me myself to feel personally devastated that I'm going to have to wait two more years to see this particular character on screen again. Yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can't even bring myself to imagine like Unabomber Mike laying on the, on the floor of the <laughs> aisle, just crying in tears <laughs> where I have to like, that would help be you scary. Up. That, 
Yeah, that would be where my my wife would really think that I've, I've gone off the deep end. I, uh, I even more so than your wife, usual. like just looking down at you, like disgusted, like like someone passed gas, like just that look mm. of I would hope that's her look. She she felt that way about the crowd, really, because uh, even you know God she's not not engaged with like what's the, what is the Marvel plan? What is you know Phase Seventeen? Like what are the like the six movies they're going to give us at all? So it's like you know. When there's a Black Panther trailer, she'll be like, oh, that looks cool. I'd like to see that. that. That's the extent of it. And even she did not have, like, she looked at me and she's she was like, why are, why are they upset? Like, there, there's going to be another movie next year right. and it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. Maybe it's just people, like, wanting so desperately. They, they feel that investment into uh, this universe that they've they've been kind of... <laughs> along for the ride with the plans that they just they they are convincing themselves to have that experience. All of this man, I just can't help but laugh at it. Like, what's wrong with you people? Like, let me ask you this, Mike. Yeah. Do you envy them? Like, is this type of passionate movie watching something that you can look at and say, "Man, I wish I came out of a theater feeling this passionate about a movie." You know, like like maybe that well, is I mean, the right way to watch do. a film. I mean, I think we do, but probably just with different films, right? Like I, you know, I have a genuine reaction to something like Boyhood, um, but that's that's also very has very different aims. I, I, I admire the people like buying into or reading the film. I guess as as the the story dictates, like the reality of the world is staying this inside is the theater. Event. Yeah, this is a horrible event that we've seen, and it's devastating to the characters. So I guess you know you should have that that feeling. I, I, I think I would have a hard time. Even even let's let's say that for whatever reason, uh, Kevin Feig, Feig, uh, the Grand Poobah, wanted to um, to pull a Joker and just burn a huge stack of cash and say, uh, you know what, Black Panther just made a billion dollars. Uh, this will assuredly make a billion dollars, but it's been fun. It's been real. We're going to do something else now. And this, is, let's say this film was titled uh, Marvel The End. Like, I, th- I think there was a comic book series called that. Really? Uh, I would admire I would admire that because uh, that would be pretty bold. But even then, uh, I don't think I'm that emotionally invested with these particular characters that I, I would have the same feeling of devastation. You know, th- this, what happens here is not like – the revelation from Manchester by the sea <laughs> is not that particular gut punch where I can, I can feel like I identify with this because it's, it's insane. It is, it is high fantasy with insane characters, insane power levels that have really nothing to do with my life. So I probably can't make that type of leap with this, this film, but I, I'm only saying that like, I, I'm going to be them. optimistic. Now you're looking down. These people are okay. worse than I am. You're no, like, I'm a, your characters. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just going to say, well, I mean, the closest they get to, uh, I guess, an attempt that in this film, uh, not saying they haven't done it before, like say with like Captain America and Bucky, um, is I guess Tony Stark and Peter Parker. I guess is the closest they get to. Which again is even the most ridiculous thing. I, one, I kind of saw the attempt. I understand what you're doing, but when you just step outside of the theater and the lights come on, the sun shines in your eyes, and you see that you know, there's stuff on the horizon how can you buy into that like how do you wipe that from your head when you're watching the films so is it, what what's the uh, can you think of a film you know if i if i'm saying if i'm throwing out boyhood or something like that has there been a film that has affected you in that way 
coming out of the theater? Or are you saying that it's just like stuff like this, like, you know, uh, cinematic universes, like a, a Marvel franchise that just can't accomplishment accomplish that. Is there something like a, you know, Manchester by the sea that you just had that sort of, uh, that feeling of like, you know, being emotionally devastated as you, as you walked out of the theater? Yeah. I mean, I watched a film called broken circle breakdown and it's just a sad film. I mean, that's, but that's earned throughout the course of the film. The characters are, are relatable, et cetera, et cetera. And I get all that, but there's nothing in the back telling me that this person can't die or this person can't suffer. It's physically impossible because guess what? You know, the, the protagonist is signed on for six more con, more films at the going rate of whatever it is. You know, there's, there's nothing in the back telling me that they're not coming back. So I, I mean, I don't know. How, how do you kind of, Justify that. And that's an interesting thing about fandom, you know, like maybe there's just something there that we're not tapped into where, um, fans are, you know, able to wipe that out. There's a interesting thing, um, with, and this is not film related, but this is, um, TV related. Are, are, do you watch the show Westworld? Uh, I have not, uh, mainly because. I heard that the first season was slow, and then was there like a two-year gap? Or I knew they announced like it was going to be a while. I think it's on now. The second and, season just started, or right? Uh, which which shows how how uh, truly interested I was. Where I'm like, oh, two years. So like you know, I'll catch up yeah. when it gets closer. And here it is, and I I'm not yeah. bothered to watch a single episode. I watched like the first three episodes of that thing, and I kind of tapped out. But apparently, that's one of those shows that if you keep watching, I swear it gets good. So you know, I feel like I hear that about every television yeah. series, though, and that I think you and I agree. Where I'm like, oh, that's just a you're you're asking me to stick around for a 12 hour movie. Yeah. Basically, that's a turn off to me. That's like a lady burping in my face. It's just not gonna to get me uh, rounding second or third base. But uh, I digress here. So <laughs> Westworld apparently got good and developed some sort of rabid fandom uh, revolving around the hypothesis of what's trying to, what's going on. You know, there was this crazy, um, theorizing going around this show, particularly towards the end. And, um, this is a podcast you turned me on to. It's the film fallout podcast. Mm-hmm. And they were talking yep. about some news that came out where the producers wanted to publish a YouTube film of like say season two or season three completely spoiled they'll tell you exactly what's going to go on so if you're one of those fans that wants to sit around the water cooler and theorize or pontificate or whatever it is on, on social media you can just go straight to the youtube video and see what's going to happen to the end of the the entire series and <laughs> they just want to stop those conversations basically and i don't get that like i guess i don't get that you know uh the westworld producers offering to spoil season two to protect against theories is kind of like if a kids invented a fun game at recess and it was awesome at first but then a few kids took it too far the principal had to step in and say okay no more spike ball at recess that's kind of what this is <laughs> like it's i i don't know i don't like this this is weird. did you do you think did you did you also not find uh how last season's theorizing became like just ridiculous yeah it came down to the point when it was like let's go through and, the, and this is in part due to the again mystery box uh yeah. aspect of the show which i have admitted i do not like mm-hmm. i hate it it's i think it's the worst uh and the, and that's going to bring people to theorize upon what is happening but it didn't become about it didn't become about theorizing about what does this mean for this person or this person. It was like what's going to happen now and what, what's this going to like be. And it just it became about trying to be smarter than the person next to you yeah. instead of talking about what the show was. Yeah, but 
but at the same time, I like, and if this is the reaction to that is to just spoil everything so that you can't have those theories, like, at the same time, you're still, uh, you're going to chance everything with the trolls of the world, and do you, do you, like, do you really think the internet, with all the spoilers of Westworld, are gonna be, like, totally cool with that? I can't read a comment section for the next several months now, because if they do this. I think it's... I, I I I hear what you're saying. I I personally am kind of fine with it, though. <laughs> I don't understand, <laughs> and, and I don't understand that fandom. I guess it's just a certain kind of fandom revolving around that show, and maybe re- revolving around these Marvel films, where maybe you and I just don't get it. I mean, we we're not able to kind of you know dive in balls deep as we should, and you know, cry over whoever it is that dies or or maybe sit around theorizing the water cooler to the point where producers are literally going to spoil the entire show on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me, uh, I, I listen to a lot of uh, tech podcasts and I'm not going to single one out for the purposes of this show because uh, I doubt our listeners would care, but it's, it's something that uh, Apple does quite a bit. Like when they, like, uh, when they remove like the headphone jack, from their phones a couple of years ago, a lot of that stuff gets leaked uh, purposely by Apple. Like basically, when they have bad news, they want to like reset the expectations as far as like, no, no, this phone, this phone will not cure cancer uh, or AIDS. Uh, here's what it can do, though. And I feel like that's something I don't like about like the Marvel films. That this need to, I mean, there's the practical side of it, right? Where it's the internet, so people are gonna find out. It's ever since Ain't It Cool News, there have been set leaks about what they're doing. So it is unrealistic for them to keep say like Brie Larson and Captain Marvel under wraps. It's not like they can just have her appear and I'm going to be like, Oh, that's cool. That's a new character. So you're saying like it's a product a of our book. world or of our societal access kind of, to information. I mean, I think, yeah. And I think, I think they're doing their best to just use that, uh, as a, as a tool, uh, in their toolbox as far as like, okay, well, if people are going to find this shit out and they're interested, uh, we're just going to make it one big marketing machine. And that's been my turnoff with like the Marvel movies, even though like within the last year, um, it's probably been a high point for me. Like, you know, I, I really liked uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I know you did not. And I, I really dug Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther. Uh, I, I enjoyed this. This is probably like the first team up movie I've enjoyed since I guess the first Avengers uh, six years ago. Um, but I, I, I myself want to tap out when it comes to, uh, people saying like, okay, here, here's what the next phase is. Like we have the next six years of our lives planned, like every summer, uh, like every March, every November, I, I find that hard to digest and be like, and still come to the table and enjoy the films. I have to actually try to remove that when I buy my ticket for infinity war, and be like, I hope this movie is fun. I, I have no expectation as far as I want it to set up the next big thing. But some people like really get into it. It's that sort of TV-like uh, mentality that has sort of taken over film franchises where it's they're no longer sequels. They're, they're another episode. Yeah. And um, the, the podcast I wanted to recommend is one called uh, Friends in Film. And they had an episode titled, uh, Does Star Wars Need a Long-Term Plan? If you're laying these seeds for these characters in other media you're doing you should be doing it with the idea of this plays into other things right i suppose but then you'd have to come back at like um mark hamill and be like mark so 
in the Star Wars Expanded Universe, this is pre-2005, uh-huh. by the way, in the Star Wars Expanded Universe, Luke Skywalker makes the decision to join the Empire's clone and uh, become a Sith Lord. Uh, how did you feel about that and that affect the character? Mark Hamill doesn't know this crap. But I mean, it's, that, so doesn't, that doesn't matter. Exactly. It's not canon. Like it, That doesn't affect the way he's portraying the character, you know? In, in some ways. But at the same time, what really doesn't matter if Hux Hux's backstory to the to the present narrative. I mean, if it completely changes the way that Donald Gleason would approach the character, maybe, or like even the idea that, um, you know, Mark Hamill created this own ba- his own backstory for Luke mm-hmm. for what he did between six and seven. Right. Like, shouldn't Lucasfilm have some idea of what the the actual <laughs> what he's actually been up to that whole time instead of like. Mark Hamill saying, oh, yeah, I have, you know, in my head, you know, he had a wife and a kid and they both died. And it's like, yeah. it's really tragic. It's like that definitely plays in like you can see that kind of an influence in the way Mark Hamill plays Luke in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that he's like making comments about his dead wife and right. child that aren't canon. But like those sort of details are like, oh, it's up to the actor. Do whatever you want. Mm. I suppose – and I guess that maybe plays into some of your I, – I think I can understand that criticism. Okay. But I don't agree with it. Okay. Because, I mean, like I, I think I said earlier, episode by episode, moment by moment, mm-hmm. it, it, stay the present and anything you want to – I mean, we really have no we, – we get no information in Star Wars episodes about what happens in between episodes. Yeah. Almost literally none outside of the Clone Wars – and the Rebel series; those are the mm-hmm. those are the closest things we really get um, in terms of you know uh, series and film, um, like live action things. Mm-hmm. Even though it's animation, um, so like you know when Han Solo says that bounty hunter on Ord Mantell changed my mind. You're like, oh well, man, I want to know about that type of a thing. It's never re- it was never really meant for that, and it's never really written for that mm-hmm. continuity. And um, that was part of the fun of star wars in a lot of ways is that it's so mysterious and like you know when you hear luke talk about power converters at tashi station i mean you have some form of the idea but it's also just kind of like there's a whimsicality to all of Mm -hmm. it i look at that and i'm like oh god i hope not because that's you know just the idea of disney owning uh, Star Wars is already unappealing to me as a, as an older Star Wars fan. Like there was something special to me about even the prequels where it's like we waited 20 years for this story. And I think I would have been perfectly fine with like every 20 years having a new trilogy and that being like what the idea of Star Wars is for me. Um, but you know, in the episode, they're kind of talking about the difference between Marvel where uh, you have sort of one author and I think they're attempting to do that with Star Wars with Kathleen Kennedy as the as the producer of these of these films. But how just how many issues they've had with individual directors wanting to put their stamp on it? I guess it's the difference between the um, like the Star Wars, the like you know the the anthology stories versus the like the Abrams, the new trilogy. But what what is your take on that? Like, would you you know e- even with all of the uh, production problems like something like Solo has had, do you want? Uh, Disney to take a, a firmer hand uh, with this and have like a 10 year plan for star Wars or, or do you like the way that they're going about it where they just kind of go from one film to the next? Well, spoiler to our forthcoming solo show, but um, I think that I would almost rather them 
is sort of come to a uh, a happy medium between what they're doing and the Marvel things. And you know, you're talking about how we all know what's coming forward. I read somewhere that Marvel is no longer going to tell you what's coming out. Um, they're not going to lay out like the ten year roadmap. <laughs> they're like, look, man, after Avengers, that would have really helped I, with the, yes. this this movie. Yes, <laughs> and, <laughs> so they've done that before. I think that that is what Star Wars should do. You know, they should. Oh, look, we all know we're going to get the individual, you know, linear sort of. Uh, Skywalker, you know, original Star Wars thing every other year, whatever it is, that's fine. But I think that some stuff should be held close to the vest with production information. And I know J.J. Abrams gets kicked in the balls for this a lot with the, the magic box thing, but, um, having sort of a mystery around what's actually going to happen is a good thing. I mean, Ryan Johnson did the same thing with, with Last Jedi, it helps the film if you don't know what's going to happen or if you don't know that um, something could happen. Like there's stakes to the film. If, you know, Han Solo might die or Princess Leia might die or whatever, whatever, it, it assists the the viewing experience, I think. I would think that – I think Kathleen Kennedy, if she's going to be the um, the Grand Poopa and Mero Mero of the Star Wars franchise, I think that she should sincerely – Maybe take a page out of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, but not that much. Like I don't need to know every waking picture and uniform that everybody's wearing and all that stuff. But I think that you know a little bit of a schedule helps, but not too much. Like hold it to the vest, you know. Well, I mean, they have the the benefit where their schedule wouldn't necessarily uh, contribute to an interconnected um, cinematic universe. The universe is obviously connected, and they take place in the same galaxy, same world, but. Um, you know, if they announce a Boba Fett movie or a Chewbacca solo movie, that doesn't necessarily spoil what the hell Abrams is going to do, like in the last chapter of his trilogy. Hopefully, and fix the series. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to get into that into the Star Wars. I'm episode, sure we will. I think, I think I changed the the title of it, the subject matter to Star Wars fans are miserable, and I, I put you in firmly in that camp as just a, a miserable. Human being, so that'll be a fun episode. Oh, man, that's, beso- that's besides Star Wars. I mean, that's just that's just <laughs> par for the course. <laughs> it's just a miserable human being. Just tattoo that across my forehead. Walk around Germany like that, but yeah, um, I you, you're right though. I think that there is some unity within them playing in the universe, but at the same time, there isn't. I, I think a comic universe is a little bit different, you know, because when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, you didn't really understand how it fit into. Um, the regular, like, I guess, terrestrial Marvel franchise that had been going on for sure, a few years. Yeah. You know, you didn't know how that's going to fit in or whatever, but, um, and, and that was kind of a little bit of a breath of, breath of fresh air. And, um, I, I think there is a, definitely a, a demarcation line there between the two sort of strategies. Yeah. No longer breath of fresh air. Guardians are firmly in there with Iron Man. Peter Parker, all of it. Which I enjoy. You know, I, I really enjoyed seeing them kind of play off each other. The the, the whole Thor and uh, – I don't know what the hell Chris Pratt's character's name is, but all that stuff. Star-Lord, man. Star-Lord. Sure. Um, <laughs> the, that interplay between them was great. Absolutely great, man. I had a good laugh at that. You know, the muscle thing and the deep voice thing. I think that's the the only part my, uh, my wife really got into, obviously, is these – yeah, two dudes like a, a dick measuring contest because I mean, really, that's what comic books have been for young boys, pretty much since their creation. Uh, and so she she found that you know she found that infinitely more amusing than probably like a in joke from the comics that 
you know, means nothing to her. So it, in certain ways, it, it was cool. It was like a, yeah, it was like, a, it, like this is probably like a, the purest comic book movie I can remember seeing. I wouldn't say it's, you know, for me, it's like always going to be like the Dark Knight trilogy is like the best like movies of like a comic book character. <clears throat> but this felt like reading a comic book where, yeah, Spider-Man tags along for the adventure and then ends up in space and gets a new suit and experiencing new powers and uh, all of that. And I, I, I do think as a movie on its own, like removing the ending, that it handled the, the theme park ride element very well. Like, you know, I was yeah. entertained throughout and I did enjoy the uh, the, the back and forth between characters that previously uh, have been like sort of the, you know, the stars or the, the MVPs of their own their own team. So like I, uh, that's always a delicate balance. I didn't see Doctor Strange, but I really enjoyed Doctor Strange in this movie. I thought that his interplay with uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character was was great. I mean, it was fun. It was just it, it was cool to see. And. I think that those are the really high points of the movie. There's some like melodrama stuff between uh, Thanos and the Green Lady that I kind of got a little <laughs> bored at at times. I was like, all right, I was done with it. Um, <laughs> it was just so melodramatic. And but other than that, I mean, I had a, and the ending, of course, I, I had a really great time with the with the movie. Probably could have chopped off a bit of time, but cut out some of that melodrama. I feel like. You know, and we're contributing to that. The ending is going to uh, dominate the conversation so much that uh, it, it, like that water cooler element. Maybe I'm like siding with the uh, the, the Westworld producers there. Kind of tires me out seeing that that's like every. If you just Google that, like Avengers Infinity War, it's either going to be talking about like how much money it made or what does the ending mean. <laughs> and yeah, it means nothing. Uh, that's that actually. Means. Well, it kind of sours me because it's like you know it was just a fun movie up to that point. It's a it's a fun action movie, and it's also you know it made me laugh, and it's just enjoyable. I'm not as into the uh, the what's going to happen next, or even buying into right. the idea of a next. Other than there will always be a next. That's your answer. There's always going to be a continuation, so uh, don't worry about it. You know it's fine. So um, yeah, the 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 melodramatic response to the ending uh, taints the movie just slightly, but uh, I, I still had a really good time with it. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat, man, but. Uh you know, kind of coming back to the topic of uh, is there stakes? I, I think that Marvel saw the writing on the wall a little bit, and I think that they're making a good decision of not announcing this crap. You know, I, I mean, you can't help but cast people. And you know who's being cast in movie and this and that, but at least it gives you a little bit of a buffer time to say there might be the chance of this person dying or something or other, you know, because that is truly the, the only stakes in these kind of films. There is no, like... Is this person getting pregnant or is, you know, are you going to achieve this goal? It's life or death because that's the gist of a superhero movie. Do you save the world or not? Does Thanos win or not? Do you die or not? That's it. Um, so I think that Marvel is making a good decision and, and just cutting bait a little bit with the, the, the scheduling sort of thing. Well, look, I mean, and this is not an insult by means to, uh, Ron Coogler, the character of Black Panther or anything like that. But when you can get a character such as Black Panther to a billion dollars and I don't I I don't have the stats from me, but I doubt he's ever been a top twenty seller in the comic book world. I don't think Iron Man was either, that. right? Before before Yeah, that's also a good right. uh example. You know, those are Iron Man was definitely sort of a B list character in, in pop culture. Um 
So yeah, they they probably don't need to sell as hard about like setting up the idea. What I was talking about was Apple when they they leak stuff to get people like use the idea of like who is Captain Marvel. Like when they they're putting out their like sort of press releases like years in advance. Um, maybe this now they they realize they have the power and the confidence where they don't have to to really start uh, marketing their properties so hard that it does slightly ruin the the actual like film. Uh, a little bit when you when you're actually just watching them as characters because you know too much. So I'd be down for that. I'd be down for them doing the stupid like uh, whenever you look at upcoming releases and you just see like untitled Marvel event film. That would be fine. With you me. want like the Cloverfield thing, you know? You want the 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 trailer to drop cool. on Super Bowl and then boom, you know, Black Panther two available on Netflix. I mean, <laughs> but since uh, well, <laughs> maybe not that. Uh, and I, I think that would be the that would probably be the point where the nerds would have an uprising. If, if uh, I mean, they would still watch it, well, but know, I think they, the problem is the nerds don't watch Super Bowls. They don't watch football. <laughs> Well, they watch the commercials. They watch for what you know a, a new Cloverfield commercial. I'm sure, but yeah, that you would be it out would here, be Michael. cool I'm if trying they... to berate the nerds. You know, I'll <laughs> try to point them out. In their I, I'm, I'm defending them. I'm, I'm, these are people who I don't think are excited to go watch Tully uh, next week, but I do think they would probably throw a fit and start bemoaning the uh, the death of the theatrical experience if Marvel ever said, "Hey, Infinity War two, uh, it's going straight to Hulu next year." Probably be they would probably be on my side for once, but all right. I, th- I think that's uh, I think we've probably uh, we started out pretty negative and we've ended uh, yeah. slightly negative. So I guess that's that is progress. That is a Marvel arc somewhere in there. I think we were positive. We said we really enjoyed the film and yeah, sure. and we enjoy the future of the franchise and that kind of thing. And you know, I think uh, you know it was cathartic to, to to think of you crying on the aisle floor. It, it was cathartic to do so in front of my <laughs> wife and, you know, hundreds of strangers, no less, in Deadpool t-shirts. But oh no! If you uh, if you if you would like to experience that same uh, or I guess similar catharsis, uh, you can uh, tweet us your responses to this episode at Marcus Played Pod, and we were also on Instagram and Facebook. I think at just Mark as Played. So I really need to get on top of trying to acquire. Going the handle to Marcus Played on Twitter so we can just unify that. But uh, otherwise, uh, hopefully, if you've not subscribed yet, you do so. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, and uh, probably all of your pod players and voice just stumble across this feed. So uh, we appreciate the listen. <laughs> I like the Unabomber mic thing. That was excellent. It wasn't bad. It must be something that you sort of saved up. You know, like, all right, now's the time to use it for the Infinity War episode.